Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is Tiffany, and I love AVA Live Radio. This is Brian J. Klein, and I love AVA Live hey, Music. Hey, this is Rob Hill from Canada, and I absolutely love AVA Live Hi, Radio. Hi, this is Tara Everly of Iridescence, and I love AVA Live Radio. Hey, guys, this is Jacqueline Jacks, and I love AVA Live Radio. This is Lainey Nash, and I love AVA Live this Radio. This is Chris and I love AVA Live Radio. Hi, this radio. is Naomi Thumb, and I love AVA Live Radio. Hi, we're Orange Avenue, and we love AVA Live Radio. Welcome to AVA Live Radio, everyone. This is your host, Jacqueline Jacks, with episode number 630 of Behind the Music, where you get to hear the perspective of the indie artist. On the show today, I'm going to be speaking with the John O'Brien Band, and John is going to come on and not only share his brand new song with us, but also talk a little bit about what's happening behind the scenes and his intention behind the music. This is his first song, By the Throat. I'll be right back after this. I see you're losing hope. Your mind is turning black. You thought your world had stopped, but Narcan brought you back. This thing has got you by the throat. You've got to find the strength to go. Dot gave you OC. Xbox took you for a world Lost your job, then China White Got hooked on China Girl This thing has got you by the throat You've got to find the strength to go Somebody help you You're running's got to end You know you're dying No matter how much you Let that angel show you where 
new song by the throat john o'brien band please welcome john to ava live radio hi john how are you i'm great how are you awesome thank you very very good so we were just talking a little bit about the song and why don't you share with the listeners um you know why you wrote this song because i know it's so personal to you well i um i've been writing songs all my life one of the things that i do is I really research a song as if I'm writing a story. But mm-hmm. what motivated this song was um, a brother of mine passed away from an overdose of Oxycontin and fentanyl. Uh, wow. And um, my mother and I had been knowing there was something wrong. And that's one of the dangers is you're never sure if anything's really wrong, if they hide it. And I just got a call one morning that he had passed away in a hotel. Um, and I decided that I had to get involved, which I did. I ended up working with some of the organizations that are trying to convince people who have the addiction to get help. And and studying it, I mean, in in 2016, 72,000 people died of a drug overdose, and almost Mm -hmm. the, the vast majority of those were opiate overdoses. Um, that doesn't count the people who just get sick, and the numbers are much higher now. So I, I really thought about writing a song about it. It's a very hard subject to write about because it's very um, it's dark. It, yeah. And, and I, when I, interestingly, when I first wrote the song, I wrote it in the first person, and my wife convinced me, no, you've got to write it in the second person. You've got to talk to the people who have the the problem and I rewrote the song and that's why I put it together um, is to really try to convince people to go get help and that's the whole song that's what it's about is go get help and help is there it's amazing isn't it doesn't it just blow your mind that it's it's so you know gosh there's so many people that get addicted to these things and you would think because to me it's absolutely frightening you know, to, to do drugs. It's frightening, terrifying to me. But so many go down this road and people that you don't even expect. I mean, the the typical picture of someone who can be addicted can be the mom next door, you know, that's addicted to painkillers or an op- opioid. I mean, it, it can be anyone. Well, I, I tried to put the story of how it happens to so many of those people into the song. And so the beginning of it is that uh, somebody actually has an overdose, but, but the, the uh, medical technicians use Narcon, which brings you back to life, basically, mm-hmm. from the dead. It's, it's an incredible thing. But then I, 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 I really researched it and found that what's happening is that people go to the doctor and they get a prescription for a painkiller. Pain mm-hmm. And it doesn't take much. If you have a propensity anyway, you can get um, addicted within several days of using Oxycontin, for instance. Mm -hmm. And what happens is they become addicted, the prescription runs out, and the doctor doesn't re-prescribe it because they understand that there's an addiction problem, a little late, of course, but 
that person then goes on to heroin and ultimately to fentanyl, and, and that's how they die, is from those overdoses. So uh, the, the, the jargon of running, which is the jargon that's used to go out and get your opiate, your fix, that the running has to end, and so on. In the end, I depict an angel there, and the advice is take the angel's hand and go get help. Yeah, and it's not, so by, by all means, it's not easy. I mean, once these drugs get a hold of you, it's certainly, um, it's, I've, been, I've had a lot of people in my life that have been addicted, and some I've lost, and some just, they, as much as they try, they just don't seem to be able to, to kick the habit to the point where, like, they just end up lying to everyone, you know, and telling people that they're, they're cured and they're working on their sobriety, but they're really not. I just... It's the beast, and it's very difficult. I think thing. that what people have to really understand about this addiction is that the withdrawal uh, isn't uncomfortable. It's horribly painful, and mm-hmm. that in order to withdraw without really going through whatever it takes to get you back on the the, the drug right. or medication, whatever you want to think of it as, you need that help. You need somebody to help you get through it and detox through it and that's what the help is and that's what people don't go get um and and that's what the the song really was about that it's about you know take the angel's hand and go just go um so it's an important song and like the other songs i write i try to write them as if i'm writing a story i try to research it i look into it i i'm writing a song now about the california fires and, you know, so many people there lost their homes. Fortunately, not a lot of people died because the evacuations are so good. But, you know, I'm studying, how, you know, what, what are the names of the fires and where were they and how did people respond? Mm-hmm. Um, but that, the, the song that you just played is really one that I felt very, very strongly about, particularly after my brother passed away, my feelings sharpened, just razor sharp. I'm sure. Do you have any regrets in this? Do you um, have any regrets in, in seeing him pass away and feeling like you could do more? Well, I, you know, I probably could have, but I think that you're always left with that when somebody passes away. I could have probably, I don't know, he was, he was very headstrong, very wealthy, by the way, which is crazy. He had a wonderful son. Uh, had, he, he had millions of dollars in the bank which is why the doctors liked him so much. Yeah. And he lost it all, but he was just so headstrong, traveled a lot, and he was just he was never there to reach out and grab, really. I spoke yeah. to him a lot on the phone. And and yes, I have re- I have regrets. My mother and I, my mother pa- has since passed away as well, but my mother and I used to sit and well, what do we do? Strategize. How do we cuz we knew we had a problem, but we couldn't nail it down. We never saw his pills. We never saw the drugs. We just, mm-hmm. and I think for people that are yeah. out there, when you see somebody and you just say to yourself, okay, there's something going on here, and they won't admit yeah. it, but you That's can true. tell, then, you know, the, the regret I have is I probably could have just taken them and grabbed them and brought them somewhere. It would have been a struggle, but that's what people should do. You know, it it is a tough call. I I can honestly say that I've been part of interventions and and we've done that with people and ultimately they end up somewhere along the line by themselves because 
nobody can be a babysitter 24-7, right? And yes, that's right. unlike your brother who probably could have had a babysitter because he had a lot of uh, funds for it, but most people go back on drugs because once they're done with the initial withdrawal, then they have to deal with life. And whatever, you know, whatever brought them to that place found that a lot of times they went right back because that, that was never cured. That was really never dealt with. And Well, I think there's there's two things. One is that... With opiates, I don't think there's um, ever a time when you no longer have any craving at all, which is why they have maintenance drugs like Suboxone and things yeah. like that. Um, and, you know, so that's difficult. But I think another thing that's very important is that the, in my opinion, having studied it, the reason, the, the, the gateway for people to get back into the habit is boredom. If they're bored... What else is there to do? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I just, you know, you can see, you've seen it, right? I mean, people, that's you say, they go, they're alone, they're sitting there. They've got their body craving, which is true. Your brain changes when you Mm -hmm. use an opiate for any period of time, and you never do lose that craving. And as a result, you know, the time when you start to get bored, you know, it's like that's why in rehab centers, you're never bored. You're never alone. You right. always have things to do. But then yeah. you walk out the door, and you're absolutely right, Jacqueline. I mean, at and that you're point, you're on your charge. Yeah, you got to grow up, and yeah. and you have to find a way. It's so true, so so true. You have to reprogram yourself, really, because I mean, I have a I have a very close friend that's been dealing with addiction his whole entire life, and he goes to rehabs. He's been in out of maybe forty of them. And every time he gets out, the same thing happens, you know? I mean, since he was like 15, same thing happens. It's just get around the wrong people, and then, you know, you start to just get back into that lifestyle, and ultimately you just slide right back in. But he doesn't keep himself busy enough, you know? And and also I noticed that there's no passion. Like, a lot of people lack the kind of passion that you have, like you have a passion for songwriting, obviously, you know, and it, it really intrigues you. You do research and you, you get these melodies together and you think about the words and you're very thoughtful in the process and you're, you're deep into the process. A lot of people don't have that. Uh, that, that, that's precisely correct. And I, I think that um, if you, if you can bring yourself into something that's very important to you, just as a personal level, it can be another thing that addicted people are advised to do, go volunteer, go be a volunteer. Uh, there are a zillion, you know, uh, all, all kinds. I mean, you probably wouldn't qualify to do uh, big brother and sister if you've been a, an opiate addict, but there are plenty of opportunities to volunteer to do things go to a soup kitchen do this and the other thing that happens when you do that is you end up in social milieus where there's something else there there's there's friends there's people there's a common passion and so that's another thing that i think is important to stress for somebody who does come out go volunteer for instance it doesn't cost anything well it does cost you time but the whole thing is to kill your time Mm-hmm. And make new relationships. Yeah, so, well, you feel so good there about are yourself. ways yeah. to do it. Oh, you, the big thing is you will feel good about yourself if you're helping people. You know, do meal, yeah. go deliver meals on wheels. 
Why not? You know, know, it's funny. I was just talking. I was talking to him uh, less than 24 hours ago, and he's actually uh, dedicating time to a church, and he's doing, you know, like the the meals where like they're feeding everyone that's like the homeless. And, um, and I said, well, well, that's great. You know, I'm really glad to see you're doing that. I said, how's it going? And he says, it's good. I'm teaching myself to be less selfish. And I said, well, how's that working out? And he said, it's interesting words, selfish, you know? And he said, I, I, I guess I am really selfish because I'm self-indulgent and that's why I keep doing this over and over again. And then he turned around and I said, I said, well, are you enjoying what you're doing? Like at the end of the day, do you feel good about yourself for doing it? And he's like, I do, but still feel selfish because I don't really want to be here. You know, and I, and I just thought to myself that that's the pain right there. That's not having any kind of like... A lot of times in the addiction process, the sensors that where you get pleasure out of writing a song and releasing it, they don't get pleasure out of anything but the the drugs. And it's really difficult well, for them to find pleasure in other things. It, it blocks the pleasure from other things. That's the thing that people have to realize is that you, you, you have pleasure sensors, you have different... Um, types of, of drugs in your brain. You know, you have dopamine and you have uh, cortisol and you have these different neurotransmitters in your brain. And what happens with heroin is that, or opiates generally, is that the drug will block those receptors that would otherwise bring you pleasure, that would otherwise please you. And that's, mm-hmm. that's the physical problem with opioid addiction is that it does prevent you actually from finding pleasure outside of that, that, that drug. Isn't that something? Wow. Amazing. Yeah. I had to really so learn me, this stuff. Yeah, I can tell And this, this brings me to my next question, which is, um, I love your process. And so many songwriters lack this much intention in their process. And perhaps it's just, something you've come by or somebody taught you. I'm not sure how you decided to invest so much in each song, but I really, I I find it really fascinating and interesting that you do it that way. When did you start to do it that way? I I think first of all, um, you you know, if you look at my, uh, my song list on Spotify, there are songs there that are just about love. And I think that love is something um, most songwriters start out writing about because everybody has love in them, whether they know it or not, (laughs) whether they're exercising it or not. Everyone's got love in them. And maybe Mm -hmm. it's for another person. Maybe it's for where they live. Maybe it's for waking up in the morning. And and so you can write songs about that because everybody's got it. And I started to write songs outside of that, um, that sort of universal appeal and started looking at, uh, different things that are, are are important to me, I guess. I mean, it is maybe self-centered. I'm I'm writing a song right now, which I'm researching about. It's called Mother Ocean. And I'm very distressed by the ocean pollution that's going on with the plastics and with, you know, all oh, of these I different know, problems right? in the ocean. Yeah. So, you know, and what did I do? Well, <laughs> I went and I downloaded about 40 different academic web pages. I have a PhD, so I'm used to this, but... I I downloaded all kinds of scientific information about it because I think when you write a song about something like that, 
Well, you're mm-hmm. not hitting that universal chord that love has um, or beauty has. What you're really hitting is you're trying to weave your way into a person's recognition of something, which is why I wrote the song By the Throat the way I did. I want people to recognize this is a song about go get help. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I just started writing like that, and now (laughs) I do write love songs. I wrote a song recently that's doing quite well on Spotify called Happy to Love. And it's all about that. It's love at first sight, but it continues through life. Uh, But I also do have a very laborious approach to writing about things that are not universally uh, universally around everybody, like love, like Mm -hmm. beauty. Well, I think it's very interesting. Now, you telling me that you have um, an education definitely clears up why you're used to this kind of discipline in songwriting that makes a lot of sense now because you know a lot of people approach it very surface level and they write a song really quickly it's not really something that they research and you know to try and get it so right and to think about the words you know so thoughtfully but i understand a lot more now that you said that (laughs) well it's funny because i recorded two songs at full sale when i recorded the 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 basic tracks for uh, uh, by the throat and I had written by the throat and I, I really played it and sang it and rehearsed it and I was ready to go in it was just me and an acoustic guitar just laying down basic tracks and I had to do a second song because they wanted they always want you to come in with two songs it's a teaching studio where you have students mm-hmm. there and I thought well I can't write another sad song <laughs> I can't go Aww. in there with two really dark sad songs I said well let me try to write a happy song and, of course, it's easy to write a happy song about love, for me anyway. I think for most people it is, too. And so I wrote that song, Happy to Love, and <laughs> went in and I recorded that as a second song. Um, so I think songwriters, especially the gifted ones, I, I wish I was as gifted as so many of the songwriters out there. I'm not. I would like to be. But, you know, I think uh, so many of those gifted songwriters, they, they, they don't, Okay, Smokey Robinson, when he wrote Tracks of My Tears, he had the whole song done except for that line. He couldn't figure out how to say it. And he was on a bus somewhere. Uh, I saw this when I was in Nashville on a writer's conference. And he, he, somebody said, you know, tracks, meaning tire tracks or something. And he thought, Tracks of My Tears. And, of course, that hook is what made the song and gave it the feeling that it has. Without that, probably would not have been a big hit. So, Isn't that funny? Uh, you know, there yeah. are lots of, of different, I want to say angles, but that sounds kind of like subterfuge. It's more like there's, more, there's lots of directions that you can go in with any song. And I think exploring those directions, whether it's through research or feelings or just a single line, is what really makes it. Mm-hmm. I think so, too. I think so too. It's, you know, I, when I listen to songs, I think it's a little bit of a combination. One of the things that really strikes me is, um, is the subject of a song, but how it plays off the melody. So like if the subject is really great, it's difficult to tie into it and get emotionally invested in it if the melody line isn't right. 
So it kind of has to play off each other to be the perfect mix. But that's just for me. Like I, I will literally find myself drifting away from the lyrics unless I'm reading lyrics. So I always tell people, you know, create a lyric video because if nothing else, once you get people tied into watching those lyrics and reading them, then the melody line becomes less important. So if it's not entirely appealing to everyone, they're more likely to stick with the song all the way through if the lyrics are there. You know what I mean? That, that, That's my you, thought process. Yeah, you've just hit upon the hardest thing about writing a song uh, is, is really that the melody and the, uh, has to be catchy, number one. Otherwise, nobody's yep. really going to really listen to it. Um, right. But th- there's, yeah. a, there's, believe it or not, a scientific basis to this, too, as you might figure I'd pull that one out. But, there you um, go. <laughs> in your brain, you, you basically what pleases people about music is stuff they don't even understand, really. Uh, for instance, people who know nothing about music will know when a wrong note's played, right? So right there, it's Absolutely. like, okay, there's something going on. Uh, depending there. on the next note, though. You ever notice that? Like, depending well, on the next true, note. Well, that's true, where the resolve is. But, yeah. But, um, but the, the thing is that what you want to do with music, or I like to think of it as, is building an anticipation of where the music's going to go and then either satisfying that anticipation directly in the music, which is why, you know, one, four, five always resolves back to one and stuff like that. But <laughs> also that sometimes you can take that and resolve it in a different way that's very attractive. But the anticipation and satisfaction in a song is really what makes somebody want to listen, to makes them turn the radio up in their car, that yep. kind of thing. Very true. Yeah. Did you learn that at a songwriting conference? Um, I read that in a scientific journal, I'm sorry to say, <laughs> on why <laughs> people like music. What makes music pleasant is that anticipation. If you think about classical music and you think yeah. about those very, those classical pieces that are, you hear them all the time. Well, you know, that's because you have this sense of anticipation and you like that. And that's what the good writers do in popular music as well. Yes, they certainly do. Really do. How do you feel about like, I mean, when, when you're writing a song, it's the pressure's on to make it very commercial, right? The pressure's on to get that melody line to be something that's very catchy and not stray too far outside of the zone. But how do you make that call? Like sometimes you feel like, wow, I'd really like to do something a little more obscure, but is it really going to resonate with my audience if I do? And have you ever tried it and has it worked out or is it just what I'm saying? You pretty much have to stay in the, you know, the rules, pay attention to the rules. Well, okay. You can, there's two sets of rules. Uh, There's the, the hard, fast set of rules, which is the ones you're referring to as staying between. But then there are the rules that I, I mentioned a moment ago, which is that when you deviate, in some manner that is still pleasing and still satisfies that anticipation, it works. Mm-hmm. And, um, but as a singer, what ends up happening, because you know, it's not like an instrument. When you hear something in your brain, it just comes out of your mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's not like an instrument where a guitar or a piano where you're actually manipulating a physical thing. Um, and true. it's really easy to get into those vocal groups where you're going to sing the sound in your head because you've heard it so many times. And I think that's <laughs> sort of what you're talking about. And some yeah. of the songs I've written, 
I listen to them. I think, wow, that that's straight out of uh, Donald Fagan, Steely Dan. You know, I, what happened? How right. did I do that? I didn't want to do that. <laughs> so yeah, it is something that is a dilemma. But at the same time, um, you know, it's, you don't want to write um, improvisational jazz lines as a melody for your song either. So there's got to be something in the middle. Right. Yeah. It's funny. Interesting. Really, really interesting. My uh, my my late cousin Bill Evans used to talk a lot about about this, and you know he kind of teetered in between things that you didn't really understand and things that you kind of did, you know. And and of course some were more commercially successful than others, but it's it's always fascinated me. I think I think really just music itself is something that intrigues me because I love to watch people react to music, and as much as I, um, you know can call really good songs. I'm always, I'm always like, you know, I'm never going to discount any song because I have had songs that I personally didn't think were going to perform the best, be the ones that get picked up for films because it just fit the right mood, you know, or just fit the right emotion. So. Yeah. That's, that's a whole nother area. Really we could open spend mind. a long time on that too. <laughs> but, but you know, the, the, the idea of the song cues that go into TV and film production is, is something that I find fascinating, but I have no idea how to do. So, yeah. So there's, um, well, you just see like every, every song has so many multiple parts and so many pieces and it's all so valuable as long as it's all, you know, original and just means something to you. It, it will mean something to someone else. It's a matter of matching it to the right project. And that's, you know, like yeah, and I think also the, the <laughs> tone and tenor of the song and the message of the song really have to fit together, kind of like a jigsaw puzzle, because, so you know, true. if you wrote a really sad song with a happy melody and, and chord progression, it's right. You know, it's yeah. It's just strange. Totally you know, I don't know if that works. <laughs> John, this has been so nice. Thank you so much for being here with me and discussing this, uh, it's, you know, you brought a I was with you a couple of years message. ago. We did a song called Innocence, and uh, that song actually got pretty popular um, in in various uh, areas and was actually spun on uh, Sirius XM for a while. Very exciting. Well, you've had great successes, and you know what? The, the type of songwriter that you are is a success within itself, and I, I really recognize that in you. And I think that, you know, I'm always interested and everything that you've got coming out, I definitely want to hear the next one too. When you get that done, so thanks for bringing this. Yeah, to I have me. a new band. We're we're performing actually on the 13th in Ormond Beach uh, at a big festival, and it'll be fun. We're doing all the original stuff, including this song, and we are going to release a music video of By the Throat as well. I have Victor Zimich, who's a tremendous uh, filmmaker, who's going to be putting it together with me. Oh, phenomenal! Well, we'll have to add that to the page when it gets done. So let me know. Oh, I will. We just need some live, some live takes uh, of the video, and also we'll be putting it together. And, and I'll make sure you get it because I want this message out there. I'm sure you do. Yeah, too. me too. I do too. Thanks so much for being here, and thank you for your continued support of ABA Live Radio. It's great to have you in this music community. Yeah, well, it's great to be here. Thank you very much, Jacqueline. That was John O'Brien on AVA Live Radio. He's got a new band going to be playing in some festivals, so be sure to hook up with him over on Facebook. But he also has a website, johnobriansmusic.com. All of those links 
are available for you at AVA Live Radio. So you can go to the main page. It's got a featured page there. And we discussed a lot of things from uh, why he writes songs to, I mean, it's pretty extensive interview, being a musician today and his thinking on all of these topics and so much more. You might want to go and check that out. I think it's a great read and he is such an easy person to interview by far. This is Jacqueline Jacks for AVA Live Radio. I hope you enjoyed it. And I'll be back with you guys again tomorrow. Don't forget, Daily Jacks is up at 6 a.m. every morning. Hi, this is Tiffany, and I love AVA Live Radio. This is Brian J. Klein, and I love AVA Live Radio. Hey, this Music. is Rob Hill from Canada, and I absolutely love AVA Live Hi, this Radio. Hi, Tara Everly of Iridescence, and I love AVA Live Radio. Hey, guys, this is Jacqueline Jackson, and I love AVA Live Radio. This is Lainey Nash, and I love AVA Live Radio. This is Chris Beecham, and I love AVA Live Radio. Hi, this Radio. is Naomi Thompson, and I love...